right, episode 11 of Reliving the Lights, Friday Night Lights Rewatch Podcast. We're ready to get into it. This is a great episode. I'm excited yes. for this. I've uh, I've switched up the plat jerseys here. This week, I've got the uh, away jersey, the white plat Black Panther jersey. So I'm feeling just in the zone. We're talking about high school football. We're going to get into it. What are you currently drinking, Anthony, before we start? Still drinking the Shiner Bach from yes. last week's episode. Right on. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Uh, I have a Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing IPA. Yeah, once again, the Hazy IPAs. Uh, so that's what that's what we're wearing. That's what we're drinking. We're ready to start, I think. Yes. All right. So episode 11 of Friday Night Lights is entitled Nevermind. Aired originally January third, two thousand seven. First episode, two thousand seven. Yep, we've we've moved into a new year. Why don't you hit us with the IMDb plot synopsis? Yeah, this is an exciting one because it's not written by Movie Dude One. Oh, and I, and I can't find like there's not even like a second version. By no, Movie he didn't even one. try to challenge this one because it's actually written by NBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NBC TV. You can't. So yeah. yeah, Movie Dude just said, "All right, you take this one." Guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> I. Yeah, you you know he can't step in on that. Yeah. So. All right. So I've got big expectations then for this right. one. So lay it on me. The Panthers are preparing yet again for another game they can't afford to lose. Jason still finds it difficult to adjust to life at home, and the feelings he still has for Lila don't make it any easier. Meanwhile, at what couldn't seem like a better time, Matt's dad comes home from Iraq, but the homecoming is not what Matt expected. Hmm. To make situations even more complicated, UT has taken an interest in Coach Taylor, whose popularity continues to grow, and Smash becomes more and more dependent on unnatural substances (laughs) to keep up with the competition. With all the drama off the field mounting, the players work even harder to get a victory. Ooh, well done, NBC. Yeah. Uh, and they even put the the actor names in behind mm. all the character names, so it's real professional. Yes. So, Movie Dude 1. Way to pick your spot. Way yes. to say I'm you not stepping in on this one. Respect for that. I'm looking forward to seeing if Movie Dude 1 comes back next week. I've got a feeling... Maybe not next week, but I've got a feeling he won't be gone long. That's good to hear. Okay, this episode starts out with um, Jason, who has moved back home to his his childhood home, his parents' house. He is getting up. He's starting his day, kind of with his new routine. He is working out hard in the weight room. And uh, we start off with a, a nice music cue here. I don't yes. know if you picked up on that. And, oh, and absolutely. I'm, I'm not a fan of Tom Petty in general. Um which I, was I say, yeah. I was worried that this because this is probably my choice for musical cue of the week. I've got I think two written down. Yeah, I do have at least two written down. Yeah, but um, I knew that you're not a Tom Petty Tom Petty fan, and I <laughs> yeah. am a Tom Petty fan, and I thought this one might come to contention. So I'm glad to hear you say that. No, I was I was humbled a little bit because I was watching and listening. I was like, oh, this is good. I like this song. What is this? And so I, you know, Googled it or Shazammed it or whatever. And it came up Tom Petty. And I was like, well, credit where credit's due. (laughs) Nice work, Tom Petty. So Saving Grace by Tom Petty is real nice. But Jason's not so much interested in Tom Petty as much as he uh, wants to hear some Nirvana. Yes. Yeah. We kind of see him go through his morning routine, his new normal morning routine. Yep. And he is 
all of a sudden digging through the CDs, the family CD collection, looking for his Nevermind CD, which to me suggested that he he got to the ends and he found other Nirvana albums, <laughs> but he is not able to find Nevermind. Yeah, um, he has the other ones because his mom is asking, what are you looking for? And he very testily says his Nevermind album, it should be here with all the other Nirvana albums. Yes. So Jason Street, a a full Nirvana fan, Yes, which good for him. And as a which, high schooler I mean, in 2006, you're definitely a Nirvana fan. I was going to say, I, I had this conversation with uh, a friend of mine actually over the, this last weekend about how I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Nirvana because I feel like like any other male born after 1977 i'm gonna say (laughs) when i was 14 i got really into nirvana (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely and fine with that like it's not love hate for me it's just yeah well and that's why it's love hate for me because i think i realized probably like five or six years later how much of a cliche that was (laughs) and i think that i kind of rebelled against it and was like they're not that great and now like when i hear nirvana song on the radio i'm like okay they actually were really good and i we've kind of talked about this before in uh not recorded conversations where i am of the opinion that almost all the music that nirvana influenced uh, (laughs) is bad is garbage (laughs) um i'm also a way bigger pearl jam fan than i am a nirvana fan wow yeah which we've also kind of talked about i'm not as big of a pearl jam guy i mean i'm definitely nirvana all the way (laughs) okay this is how big of a cliche i was in high school but i bought a sweet nirvana shirt at hot topic (laughs) (laughs) which kurt cobain had already been gone for like 10 years when i bought that shirt (laughs) but uh, but Jason really wants to listen to his Nevermind CD. Can't find it. Uh, so he says, all right, I'm going to the record store. Mom's like, that's like four miles away. And Jason says, well, I better get going. <laughs> yeah. So he, he wheels down there. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see him like on the way, like do like a, an athletic like squirt of water in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of the squirt and then the shake of the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Getting refreshed. So he does make it to the record store. Record store. He finds the album. Finds the copy of Nevermind. Raises it over his head in victory. And then not only raises it over his head, but gives it a kiss. <laughs> Which, if you know the cover of the Nevermind CD, is actually <laughs> very awkward. Yeah. Because he that. basically kisses a baby penis <laughs> in I, yeah. the middle of the record store. I, I must have been just doing too much writing notes that I didn't notice the kiss, but I did notice him holding it over his head, which made me laugh because it's like, congratulations that you found one of the most popular albums of all time. Like, do you really think you weren't going to find it? Like, yeah, this yeah. isn't some, like, it's not like going to a record store and finding like a specific pressing of, you know, yeah, right. some obscure album. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah, if if you go to any record store in the United States, especially in 2006, uh, you would have found that album. (laughs) I am extremely confident that I could go to my local Walmart right now and get a copy of Nirvana. You could probably get it on vinyl at your local Walmart. Yes, (laughs) I'm quite certain that I could pick it up in two separate formats formats in my local Walmart. Yeah, Uh, 
And for, you know, honestly, in my opinion, for good reason, I freaking love that album. In fact, this summer, earlier this summer, I went through a, a nevermind week where that's what I listened to. And uh, I got a new guitar. So I was <laughs> playing nevermind riffs on my <laughs> new guitar. Um, but yeah, if you know that album cover, there's a naked baby on the front. And I specifically remember at my daycare provider <laughs> when I was like eight years old, uh, riding in her high school son's car and seeing that CD <laughs> with the naked baby penis on it and being like, what is that? What kind of music could possibly have that kind of cover on it? I um, I have a similar but very different story, but I, I do, I think this is an important thing to talk about. Um, not only just between the two of us, but also uh, to bring in the audience. And on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember I have a very, very vivid memory. And I think you and I were brought up in similar, but also very different households, but similar in the sense that, you know, um, we were exposed to probably a lot of the same stuff uh, yeah. for the first, you know, 10 years of our lives, we'll say. Yep. Yep. And um, I remember at some point, it must have been, I was probably like seven years old and um, I was riding with my stepdad's brother who would have been in high school at the time. Around like 1990, I think he graduated in 95. So let's say it was okay. 1995. And he had the tag team CD who did tag team, who did Whoop, There It Is. Yep, absolutely. And so like, I remember that song playing and I remember that there was obviously other songs on the album <laughs> and one of them like had cursing. And that's the first time I'd ever heard cursing in music. Yeah. And I didn't even know that you were allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, wow. And I remember being like, Oh my goodness, you can do this. Like I was so blown <laughs> away by it. So I yeah. think, I think that's an interesting thing to, uh, you know, to, to discuss is, is uh, those first experiences and first exposures to things that you didn't think were possible. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, this this uh, leads us to another very relevant connecting point in our friendship. The the very first album that I ever bought that was not country or Christian was Yourself or Someone Like You by Matchbox 20. That album, which we can both agree is one of the greatest of all time. Yes, it absolutely. Uh, that album has a song called Damn on it. Yes, yeah. And I bought it when I was staying at my grandma's house when my parents were gone for the weekend. And I remember feeling so guilty for the rest of the weekend <laughs> that when my parents got back, that was like the first thing I said was, I'm sorry I bought this album. It has a song called Damn on it. And I know I'm not <laughs> supposed to say that word. Yes. <laughs> and my, my mom was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> and then, but then I also remember it has a song, uh, I believe track number two, which I don't remember the name of the song. Has, How Long Day. Yeah, has the S word yes, on it. Yes. And I remember like having that album in the van CD player when my dad was in there and forgetting about it and then realizing like at the last moment, like, oh no, they're going to say the word <laughs> and like running up to the front of the van like hit the button to go to the next track so. that's uh very good and also a very relatable story once yes. again I, I think uh i don't know if that's a just a relatable moment in a uh first reformed <laughs> household uh that, yeah, right. that very guilt 
very big part of it. Uh, yes. Part of my upbringing, but um, to just add a, a just a touch to that, I also love that album. Of course, it's yep. for sure the album that I've spent most time listening to. If there's one album that I've spent more time listening to than any other album in my life, it's absolutely yeah. Matchbox Twenty. We, we have Matchbox year. Twenty tickets now for summer of 2021. Yes. Thanks, and COVID. I, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that album was given to me by my stepdad's brother for Christmas. Oh, also, no way. So, yeah, really covered full circle. That wow, nice. That um, it was a it was that album and Vertical Horizons. Yes, uh, I had album. that album too, man. And I loved that album for sure. That's awesome. Uh, definitely in the same vein of of music for too. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. That, All right. that those few years in the late nineties were adult contemporary was really popular. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh You're a God by Vertical yep. Horizon. Man. Dude, Gray Sky Morning. Gray Sky Morning. Jam. I love But that. what was even the their hit song though? Uh Everything You Want, which hit number one. <laughs> in your tell you a number bit one about book. That. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Way to put the button on that. I like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, Street Kisses the Baby Penis. What do you find? <laughs> uh, and then Lila happens to be in the record store, which this is another weird, I don't understand the timeline of what's going on because, uh, so they have their little interaction, which we can get into, but then she says, I've got to get to class. Yeah. And it seems to be like the lighting coming in through the record store was what I noticed. It seems to be like early in the morning, but how early do record stores open? Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody's going to buy a record at eight or in the morning. So like, I feel like 10 a.m. is like the most normal time for a record store. To open. At the earliest is when that, that record store is open. Because we know it's the morning because we see Jason's morning routine. He wants to listen to the Nevermind album while he's working out, I assume. And then, but then he's got to he roll four wheel, miles. Yeah, he's got to wheel four miles in his wheelchair, which is going to take a while. So it's possible that eh, Lila had like an open campus period. Yeah, or that's what I said. Like that. That's what I said in my notes, like maybe some sort of open campus study hall or something. But yeah. Lila is at a record store at presumably 1030 ish AM on a school day, <laughs> which is weird, but she happens to be there, which is convenient for our story. So yes. uh, they have a little uh, flirtatious banter about Clay Aiken. <laughs> oh Yeah. Which yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a little flirty, why not talk about Clay Aiken? Yes, yeah, and it's nice. And like by that time, I don't know if he was out yet because they made a lot of gay jokes about Clay Aiken. But I felt like that came out much later. But maybe I'm thinking of like Lance Bass or somebody like that came out much after they were popular. But I don't know. I I feel like he wasn't out yet. I feel like this was just serendipitous. Yeah, maybe maybe. So yeah, they they ex- exchange these pleasantries and they make the jokes about Clay Aiken. And then before we know it, Lila and Jason are back at it again. Yeah, she just straight up goes home with him. Yeah. And this is coming off of last episode where Jason was like, nope, not, mm. not going to happen, Lila. Please He became go. ready to forgive very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and the... Uh, the, maybe the endorphins from the long uh, wheelchair trek, you know, just got <laughs> played a part. Yeah, got things going a little bit. I don't know, but he was very ready to overlook all past misgivings. <laughs> yeah, 
but they they're back at it again. She is on top of him, and and clothes are coming off. Yeah, uh, but things come to a pretty screeching halt because yeah. Jason can't quite get anything going. Yeah, he very forlornly says that he can't feel anything. So big bummer for him. Big bummer for Lila. This particular storyline is not over yet. Um, <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back to it. Yes, we we see Matt. He's on the phone uh, with like the Medicare people. Yeah, uh, trying to figure out why he has a a three hundred dollar bill for Grandma. Yeah, something um, no fifteen sixteen year old kid should be doing. Correct. Grandma, meanwhile, is in the kitchen. She says, uh, you know, like, hey, something about his dad. And he's like, hold on a second. Like, grandma, dad's in Iraq. And she's like, mm. she has. It's actually really funny. <laughs> he's like, grandma, dad's from Iraq. Or dad's in Iraq. And she just goes, hmm. <laughs> uh, but then we, we, you know, later on, she says, like, uh, he's, he's right outside. Why don't you go help him with his bags? And Sure Matt enough, looks outside, and sure enough, yeah, he is he is on leave. Yep, Matt's dad is home. Uh, Matt is very excited to see him. Runs out. We really see the 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 childlike enthusiasm in Matt come out. And I will just say that this is the last time that we feel any positive feelings towards Matt's dad. Correct. Yep, yeah. Matt's dad sucks. <laughs> He's the worst. We we get a scene from practice. The Panthers are made aware that the Baptist Church will be hosting a Panther dinner for them all. Yes. They are to all make sure that they are dressed in their finest attire and no bad words, no <laughs> no cuss words uh, or anything. No like track that. seven for Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> yeah, or sure. track two, <laughs> or track, or track two. two or seven. <laughs> Long day or damn. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, we see Tim in Mrs. Taylor's office. She is very skeptical that Tim is doing his own homework, and for good reason. Tim is not doing his own (laughs) homework. We already know that. Uh, And Tim thinks it's pretty dang funny. (laughs) Yeah, Tim seems hilarious. We get some some pretty great slack-off comments from Riggins in this. Yeah. Uh, But Tammy is pretty hard-lined that she's going to get Tim to start actually trying and actually learning and and getting into the world. She says something along the lines of like, it's my job to make sure that you don't go into the world stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) Jason and Herc are out at a sports bar watching a game and (laughs) Jason just straight, straight up, uh, asks Herc how to have sex. Yes. Um, yeah, he, he asks, you know, how do you have sex? And, and Herc is like, who's the you know lucky lady? And it becomes revealed that it was Lila, and Herc yeah. is upset and yeah, disgusted. less than enthusiastic about that. He does tell Jason that he'll he'll be able to perform at some point, but he's kind of got to relearn, you mm-hmm. know, what works for him, and everything's different now. So it, it's going to take some time to figure out figure things out um, in that whole arena. In the next scene. Like we mentioned in our last episode, uh, in the last episode, Mrs. Coach doesn't know who Landry is. In this episode, <laughs> she is now picking him to be the one to tutor Riggins yes. to get him on track academically. 
this was obviously a way to get Landry to give us more Landry time in the show. And I'm 100% fine with it. Yeah. I am okay with the inconsistency. Yep. Um, I do want to, sometimes Josh and I have sidebars and I say, cut this. Josh, I want to specifically say, do not cut this. Okay. <laughs> um, during this scene, Angie said to me, she's like, Landry reminds me of one of your plat friends and I can't place it. <laughs> and who, who she's like, who does he remind me of? And she couldn't think of it, couldn't think of it. And while she was thinking of it, I was like, well, <laughs> what's the <a> guy? <laughs> We went to high school with, and I pulled out the uh, the yearbook, two thousand five yearbook. Yes, I I showed her Abe, and she yes. was like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" Um, <laughs> this was duly hilarious because I remembered <laughs> that you guys snuck in. You're crushing my skull as the quote <laughs> for Abe's yearbook quote is. Quote. Did we really? Yes, that's you're in the crushing yearbook. my skull. That's not going to be funny for anyone except for like 10 people. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great bit. Yeah. I, I thought you were part of the people that were behind oh, that. But. I'm sure I was 100%. 100%. Uh, but yeah, here's this really serious picture of Abe and then just next to it, you're crushing my skull. Oh my gosh. To be fair to our friend Abe, he also very much resembles Matt Damon. Uh, so, you know, that's like the flip side of the coin. Um, so yes, Abe, you look like Landry. I know his wife listens to the podcast. I don't think Abe does, but Sarah, uh, so yeah, Abe, you look like Landry, but you also look like freaking Matt Damon. So it's fine. (laughs) Uh, I also saw people comparing Landry to Matt Damon online. So it all, I've seen that. Yeah. It all fits together. Good. So we, we're getting, we're going to get more Landry time here and I will go into it a little bit more in the deleted scenes, but the deleted scenes are pretty much all Riggins and Landry bromance scenes. And so I feel like we really lost out on, on those getting cut, but I'm going to have to actually watch those deleted. I would recommend them. Actually. They're very good. They're the best deleted scenes so far. We, we see a scene at practice. Matt's dad is there watching him, and Matt is very excited to show him off, introduce him to coach, introduce him to anybody that'll listen. Matt's kind of over the moon about the whole thing. Coach is really talking Matt up, you know, uh, to Matt's dad, uh, really talking about how well he's doing. And um, we get our first glimpse that Matt's dad sucks. Yes. Um, he's really <laughs> downplaying Matt. He has a line like, didn't know he had it in him, Yep, <laughs> which comes across really jerkish and yes. hope he holds up under the pressure, which also comes across really jerkish. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think coach is a little bit like, geez. Okay. Yeah, what's your, what's your deal? Um, we do find out during this scene though, that coach made a list in some magazine of the top yes. 10 uh, high yep. school coaches in the state of Texas. Yep. Yep. Up and coming, he he comes uh, in in on the list. Next, we have our introduction of Crucifixorius, which is yes. a great moment in Friday Night Lights history for sure. Yes, finally <laughs> officially named. Yeah, there was an original name, <laughs> oh, or that he was gonna. Oh. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. Andrew was gonna name the band Stigmata Lingus. <laughs> it's but so offensive. <laughs> really is on a number of levels, but. Um, yeah, they he officially goes with Crucifictorious, which is a great name, and <laughs> yes. we're, we're glad that Landry made that 
choice that he made. Yeah, that was definitely the better of the options for sure. Uh, <laughs> they're playing at the Broken Spoke and the doors <laughs> open at 11. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so we see Landry hanging up flyers, which we'll see him throughout the episode hanging up flyers. Lila goes over to Tim's house and she brings over an instructional video of how to uh, be intimate when you're paralyzed. Yes. Which is uh, uncomfortable. Quadriplegic sex ed, which is (laughs) quite, uh, quite interesting. Yep. And Jason gets pretty frustrated with the whole situation. He's not nuts about it. No. Has the line. If you want to get laid so bad, why don't you call Riggins? Which, Oof. yeah, too Ouch. soon. Yeah, too soon. Mm. So, uh, we're we're we've got we've left things on a sour note now with Jason and Lila and the whole intimacy issue. We we do go back. We get some great Landry and and Riggins back and forth. Yes, we do. I this is I'm trying to remember where they are when this scene is happening. Are they they're indoors, right? I can't remember. All I have is that Landry is hanging up Crucifictory's posters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, Telling Tim about his band. Yeah. Cause this is the scene where he, he announces the, the original name. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> and he's wearing the Crucifictory's shirt. Um, he does have a great line. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a number of great lines exchanged uh, between the two of them, but I, I do have one of them written down as my yeah. uh, potential quote of the week. Oh, nice. Also, I'll say I'll save that till later. But we just yeah. some great uh, some great Landry and and Riggins. Yeah, I feel like we don't get a ton of Landry and Riggins throughout the series that I can remember. But I'm no. really enjoying it this episode. Same. Yep. Uh, in the next scene, once again, Matt's dad sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally the only notes that I have written down is Saracen family dinner. Matt's dad sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, a huge jerk. He's mad at. Grandma Saracen for basically every little thing that she does. Yeah. Matt asks at one point when when he thinks he might come back for good from Iraq. And his answer is, I'll tell you this, I'm not going to leave until those people have a stable government. So Matt's dad is still over there in 2020. <laughs> exactly. Turns out. Exactly. Um, yeah. So Matt's dad sucks. That's all we really need to say about that. Coach confronts Tammy about, quote-unquote, making the education of Tim Riggins her personal mission. (laughs) Yes. A lot of tension here. Obviously, Coach is not too excited about this. They've got some really big games coming up. Uh, As always, it seems like the next games are the most important for their playoff success. (laughs) Um, Every game is make or break. Yeah. So, Coach kind of implies maybe she could take it easy on him a little bit. And Tammy is pretty appalled by this suggestion. But in the middle of this argument, or not even really argument, but conversation, tension-filled conversation, coach gets a call about the quarterback coach job at UT, University of Texas, I'm assuming, next season. More than likely, you know, kind of in connection with his appearance on that top 10 high school football coaches in Texas list. So that's a big deal. And Tammy seems pretty excited about it, too. Yep. Um, we do get some more Landry and Tim time after that. We've got Landry reading of Mice and Men to <laughs> Tim Riggins uh, while Tim lifts during practice. Yeah, in the weight room, yeah. Um, and they, there's, it's a pretty funny exchange. This one I do remember specifically where uh, Landry kind of goes into this detail about a, um, it's kind of a scenic, you know, passage. And <laughs> he goes, all right, yeah. what, did I just, what did I just ask you? 
or what I just read you? And Regan's is like uh, something about a river. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's like, what does a river look like? And Tim's just like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And there's some more in between there, but we kind of fast forward a little bit. They're they're finishing it up in the, the stands, the mm-hmm. football stands. And Tim actually seems to like kind of get it and actually yeah. like the book and yes. like the story. It seems to really get through to him in a way that you're like, uh, like okay, oh, Tim. But then yeah. when Landry kind of asks him about like doing the oral report and stuff, Riggins goes back to not caring and basically yeah. being like, I-, I want you to do it. Um, yeah. And then Regan, or Landry kind of, I don't know how much Landry knows. I don't know how much Landry cares about the, the Dylan High rumor mill. He seems to be very insistent upon being like, Really, you can't relate to this, like <laughs> right. you know, uh, it's about a man, and two best friends who had a dream and it fell apart. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, Riggins is just not because uh, yeah, there's I don't see Landry knowing about the. Texas I couldn't. Forever I couldn't tell if he was like saying that knowingly or not. Right. I think it was I, more for the audience than yeah for Landry, but yeah. Yeah, so Landry freaks out on him and basically like, I'm done. Forget this. Has another great quote that I'll that's up for my oh, nice. quote of the week. In yeah, there. right on. Right on. Um, in between those two scenes of Landry reading, uh, both in the weights, in the weight room, and on the, the stands, stands. Yeah, Matt's dad sucks. Yeah, more Mad dad's <laughs> Matt's dad sucks. Uh, Grandma starts a fire um, while Matt's dad is like cleaning out the gutters. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, Matt's dad is a dick yep (laughs) we get more of that i believe somewhere in here we like see him at i don't know like some sort of insurance or some sort of like veterans office or something and we basically we find out that this could be an opportunity for matt's dad to get out of his military service right now but he's like absolutely not no he straight up refuses um and matt is pretty upset by this yeah obviously matt's dad is more concerned with making sure he stays in iraq getting grandma saracen into a home and getting uh matt into a different home yeah he can uh, go live with family yeah matt finally you know things are really starting to fall in place for him outside of his personal life with grandma saracen yeah um he's got a, a, a beautiful girlfriend he's qb1 Things are really going well for him on the whole, and the last thing he like he would rather stay here and and take yeah. care of grandma than you know have to relocate to Oklahoma. Yeah, we get a little a little bit of Jason. Uh, Jason shows up at the Taylor's house. He's looking for Coach. Coach is gone. He ends up talking to uh, Mrs. Taylor, and she brings up restarting high school. She brings up the situation with Lila. They kind of have a little bit of heart to heart there. We see the the Panther dinner at the Baptist church. Uh, the pastor is very creepy looking and very sketchy, and I would Angie not trust him. pointed out the exact same thing. She was yeah. like, this guy looks like a predator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do not uh, <laughs> let yourself be alone with this man in an empty room. Uh, Coach tells Riggins that he is with Tammy on this no pass, no play thing. Uh, Riggins getting his act together academically. And... Saracen is pretty shook up and upset with the whole situation with his dad. Julia's trying to 
figure out what's going on and he really snaps at her and uh julie is pretty hurt by the whole situation yeah and we get to the game uh at westcott yep and matt's really struggling Mm -hmm. he is having a hard time um you know he's he's his dad is really complicated things for him yeah mentally he's not there because of the dad situation yeah and it yeah, he has a particularly bad play where he botches a pitch, but Smash bails him out and ends up running it to taking it to the end zone. Matt's dad sucks, and uh, he leaves because uh, Matt gets pulled from the. Oh no, this isn't yet. Yeah, well, Matt's Matt gets pulled. Brett Weston comes in. <laughs> yeah, uh, for Matt. Never heard of Brett Weston. Who would have been QB three? Yeah. <laughs> Um, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And he comes in and plays for Matt in the fourth quarter. He's really hitting his spots. You just see Matt's morale go from bad to worse. Yeah. I'm in his face. And Saracen's dad sucks, and he straight up leaves. Like, he just walks. He was down on the field again. Like, what? What is going on with just... Yeah, I was trying to figure out that, too. I don't know how he got... Maybe maybe, he's a veteran. He's a veteran. It's 2006. Yeah. But I I do want to point out that Brett Weston comes in, hits a spot, and I do believe that the Panthers maybe win it at the last second. Do they? I guess I didn't didn't notice that it was the last play. I don't know that they had the scoreboard up, but there was definitely a play from Smash that scored a touchdown, and that seemed to be the... Yeah, there was a lot of celebrating at that point, for sure. it's implied, but not necessarily. Uh, we don't have to add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we can pretty much assume. <laughs> That's kind of the way things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Saracen is crushed. Well, Smash had a great game, which is now two in a row for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he came off that terrible game in front of Grady Hunt. But then ever since then, since he's got on the, on the steroids, uh, he has been playing out of his mind, well. yeah. basically. Um, but Saracen is crushed and he kind of, uh, is making his way out to the parking lot and Matt's dad sucks and they get into a fight in the parking lot. A verbal Matt fight. puts him on blast Ooh, yeah, he, in front of the Taylor family. Yeah. Taylor family happens to be out there. They witness the whole thing. Matt basically says like, I wish you were back in Iraq. Please let me know. I'm leaving. Please let me know when you leave and to go back. Because it things are going better when you weren't here. Yep. Yeah. Which oof, tough. Yeah. Strong words yeah. from from Maddie Saracen. So we go from that kind of heart wrenching rough scene to crucifictorious, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We get the our first peek at crucifictorious. We see their show in the broken spoke. Very reminiscent of a metal show that Josh and I accidentally yes. ended up. I put <laughs> at this in my notes. <laughs> What was the name of the band, though? Enslaved Sanity. Enslaved Sanity. Okay, so we thought we were going to a dev show, right? So dev, like, uh, of the Fly Like a G6 yes. uh, fame. He was on the chorus of Fly Like a G6. Yeah, Booty Bounce, another great Which also dude. hit number one, which is insane. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah. We won't get into that. Yeah, <laughs> we won't get into the show, or we won't get into we won't get into the number ones. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the number ones and how yeah. crazy some of those are. But that's, we, that's Patreon content. 
<laughs> so we, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Uh, we thought we were going to a dev show. We show up to this basement venue in uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, thinking we were going to like a pop uh, show. And we, they're yes. like, how old would you put these kids? Well, here's the thing where it got, okay. I, I would just want to rewind a little bit because we showed up to this venue and the band that was the first, first band that was opening was... Uh, this band that sounded like Newfound Glory. And this was yes. in 2010. So like that was way past. Like, Absolutely. Bands being influenced by Newfound Glory. Yeah, we were like five years past the end of pop punk. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this band took the stage. And I I remember somebody in the crowd asked the kids how old they were. And they <laughs> said, like, I'm pretty sure they were between the ages of like 13 and 15. Yep. That's what three I kids. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but dude, slave sanity. Yeah. So this is like death metal type stuff, like yes. heavy. But these kids were shredding. They were. Like, they they were, were legit. But they were thirteen year old kids. Yes. Um, yeah. So absolutely, uh, crucifictorious shades of enslaved sanity. <laughs> absolutely, sure. precursor to enslaved sanity. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Two thousand seven. So, uh, which that was the beginning of one of the more memorable nights of our friendship. I yes. <laughs> um, that was, I, I mean, honestly, if I'm going to pick a night of our friendship, that is one of the defining <laughs> ones. Also probably the most upset that either of us have been oh my at gosh. each other I, <laughs> at one point in the night. Uh, yeah. I, I sent you some pretty nasty texts at like I three wish in I the morning. Still, yeah. I wish I still had that phone uh, to see those, but uh, obviously, things are much better now. We have reconciled. Yeah, we're good. We're ten good. years later, um, but we, <laughs> we do were, still. We were every, fine by ten a.m. Oh yeah, yeah, we were fine by the next day. Um, but yeah, every year it's always in. It's in December. It was the, the okay. anniversary, and whenever I see those tweets come up in my time hop, I always text you <laughs> yeah. like happy anniversary. <laughs> this year is the ten year anniversary of that night. Oh but, wow! All uh, right, memories. good. <laughs> All right, so Cruise of Victorious. I actually uh, transcribed the lyrics that Landry is screaming. So Landry is the front man. Yes. Uh, I had the subtitles on. I know the subtitles weren't completely accurate. So this is a compilation of both subtitles and what I heard. So everybody pop. I don't know if that's right, but that's what it came up as. Everybody pop. Raise like me. I can count on your scars to set me free. You will prevail and I'll stand right by your side. You know them and I'll be by your side. These are the lyrics that Landry screams. Uh, and what I found out was, I believe the song is called uh, Entrance of the Horseman or something like that is what it's credited as <laughs> in the, the soundtrack notes, uh, which as someone who was in a high school Christian <laughs> rock band in 2003 through 2006 ish, uh, those lyrics are pretty, pretty out. spot on <laughs> for what I would have written uh, as, as yeah, someone. And in fact, I just listened to our, our CD catalyst. Uh, if you want to look that up on MySpace. <laughs> find the catalyst page. Uh, I just listened to that CD this weekend. I found it in, in the van that we bought from my grandma. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a copy of it somewhere. I bet in my folks' place, I'm going to have to find it. I bet it actually, I might have those songs on my old iPod. 
I yes. that album on my own yes. iPod. That's great. Uh, we did end up re-recording a few of those songs in about 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. And uh, considerably better, but the lyrics are still terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, Crucifictorious is playing for about four people. Yes. There at the Broken are, I wrote down, uh, <laughs> Regan's is one of four attendees. Yep. Yep. Regan shows uh, up. What what did you catch this? Was I mistaken, or was Caster, who I thought never showed up in the show again, was he the bass player? I'm pretty sure he was not, the bass player. I did not catch that. Yeah, so Caster has recovered from his injuries <laughs> uh, by the hands of Reyes and is now playing bass in Crucifictorious, as far as I can tell. Um, that makes sense, but no, I I was not paying close enough attention. I guess that I didn't pick that out. <laughs> yep. So Tim is there. Uh, he's pumped because he got a B minus on the of mice and men thing. Yes. They have a nice little bromance moment. And then in my notes, I have, we got to talk about the little kid metal band in Omaha. So, <laughs> yes. so we already touched on that. I'm glad that our minds both went there because yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I did want to, I did write down also, I would have loved I want to see the Tim Riggins report on of mice and men because <laughs> yeah. part of me thinks like, he got a B minus, which is such an odd grade because it's so, you know, basically middle of the road. Yeah. Because part of me is like, I wonder if he went there with like a story about him in street. But then I'm like, no, that's worthy of an A. Like, I'm pretty sure, sure. if a teacher saw him dig that deep personally. Yeah. Like, give Tim Riggins an A for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really do wonder what uh, what his report looked like. Yeah. He was probably just able to like semi-accurately recount the plot of the book and yeah <laughs> that was about right. it. you're yeah, probably that, right that would get tim riggins a b minus <laughs> we have lila being a creeper once again sneaking into jason's room uh during the night while he's sleeping and they have a little heart to heart lila tells jason she loves him and jason hits her with just the savage i know <laughs> <laughs> After that, we see Coach and Saracen talking in the backyard. So Saracen went home with the Taylor family yes, after yeah. the fight in the parking lot with his dad. Tammy was like, you, you can come home with us. We'll figure everything else out later. And that was yep. yeah, a very strong call by Tammy there. Yep. So um, Coach and, and Matt are kind of working it out. Saracen says that he hates his dad. And then coach tells him, don't make that mistake and kind of choose him out and tells him, we're going to, I'm going to take you back home now, which I was very confused by that reaction. Like coach saw that interaction yeah. in the parking lot. Why is he so upset with Matt for saying that he hates his dad? He's a 16 year old kid. Like right. <laughs> you say you hate your parents like on a weekly basis, at least. So we, we end there if I yes. am mistaken. Yep. Um, okay. I have I have deleted scenes that are worth talking about. Yes. Um, one, uh, r- there's a scene of Riggins talking to Coach about Tammy coming down hard on him with academics, and Riggins is basically like, "Hey, can you get her to back off a little bit?" Which is <laughs> which is good. Um, there's another scene of Landry reading of Mice and Men out loud to Tim at Tim's house, and <laughs> Tim is like, "Can we just?" can we just take a break so we can eat? And he's like, Hey, how's that band you've been lying to me about? 
<laughs> and Landry, Landry says, I play guitar and I'm the lead singer and I'm not lying. I actually do have a band. And Tim goes, are you pretty good or what? <laughs> Landry says, not to toot my own horn or anything, but you know, I mean, not bad. Tim says, a lot of ladies getting laid a lot. <laughs> He's just grinning ear to ear. <laughs> and Landry's response is, not like constantly, but <laughs> they both start laughing. And seriously, you know those moments when you when you see like, oh, that is actually Taylor Kitsch, not yeah. <laughs> like that was a moment where Taylor Kitsch is just laughing out loud, <laughs> rolling, and you can tell like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's actually, great. Um, yeah. So that was a good. <laughs> there's another scene with Landry and Tim and they're in uh, Mrs. Taylor's office and she's asking about Tim's progress with the of mice and men book. <laughs> and Tim says, yeah, I'm a real Steinbrenner fan now, man. <laughs> <laughs> Landry says Steinbeck. And Tim's like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> That's a great, great Steinbrenner. Um, oh, and then after that, so she kind of lays into him a little bit, like, you need to take this seriously. And, oh, my gosh. So then <laughs> Tim and Landry are walking out of the office, and they're, like, out in the hall. <laughs> and Landry says, wow, Mrs. Taylor's pretty intense. And Tim says, yeah, she's also smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> and Landry says, yeah, she smells good, too. <laughs> Wow, no, I didn't think you I know. It's so good. Oh, my goodness. There is a scene where Tim calls Tyra, and the only reason I, I include this is he's drinking a beer while he's calling Tyra. So I wish we could count it. We can't. We can't. We can't. Not canon. Um, um, but, yeah, he's talking to Tyra just about how hard it is to deal with the academic pressures, and Tyra calls him dumb and stupid and ignorant and an ungrateful jackass. Wow. Tim says, yeah, I've heard that a lot lately, uh, which is a bummer, and then tells her that he misses her. So those are the deleted scenes. They were good. Uh, they're worth watching for this episode. So, Well, I think that's going to point towards a hopefully – triumphant soon return of the big rig beer tally yes i would think so so all right let's take a little break and we'll come back with uh, a little discussion on our characters for this week all right so we are back we're gonna dig into a couple of our more prominent characters of this episode we saw a lot of saracen this episode yes a lot of the saracen family yeah, I don't know if we've uh, established this yet, but Saracen's dad sucks. Yeah, he's he's the worst. Um, maybe the worst character the show has to offer. I don't want to say that too lightly because Julie Taylor is <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, Matt's dad sucks. But yeah, we, we do get a peek into the Saracen family. I think we really get our first peek. I mean, I think there's been flashes of it, but I think this is our first peek into really how how much Matt really does have on his plate and how much he's thankful for what he has despite his situation. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I feel like we've talked about it almost every episode about like Matt Saracen is is bearing a burden that no 16-year-old kid should. But at the same time, you know, he straight up tells his dad, like, it's better when you're not here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm handling this. Yeah, And, you know, in previous episodes, we see... <laughs> him like yearning for help 
you know, trying to tell his dad. But once his dad gets there, he's like, no, I, I'm actually, things are better without you here. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's tough to see, but I think, yeah, I know that we had, like, like we mentioned earlier in this episode, we had similar, but yet very different upbringings. And just like, even so, uh, we're currently on hold, but we're, a f- we, uh, we've done foster care in the past. And honestly, that like, I relate a lot of what Matt is going through to like what our like seven-year-old and 12-year-old, uh, you know, foster placements had. Like they had to endure things that I couldn't even fathom as a 32-year-old, like the responsibilities that as a 32-year-old, I couldn't understand, um, right. <laughs> let alone as a... Right. Know. So, yeah. So I... I Unfortunately, you know, Matt is being thrust into a, a situation that you wouldn't wish upon any 16-year-old, but he's actually handling pretty darn well and has adapted to the circumstances. Yeah, Matt is uh yeah, he's he's dealing with a lot. And and like I said, we we get our first peek into really just I think this is the first episode in which we see all of those elements at play at once. Right. Yeah, dad is in the picture. Grandma's in the picture. We even get a little mention. Maybe that was the last episode, but we get a little uh, a little glimpse into his mom. I don't know if we knew yes. his mom before, but we found out she's in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's I think all we know about her. But yeah, that was yeah last episode. But yeah, um, like you said, dad's in the picture. Um, most of the times he's in Iraq. One hundred percent of the time he sucks. <laughs> so whether he's <laughs> he's here or there, um, yep. it doesn't really matter. It's like the fact that he's that it's better for Matt that when he's in Iraq says a lot. Yeah, we had Grandma Saracen who was starting accidental fires and and just doing things that would annoy the layman. I, honestly, I was anno- like I was annoyed by that scene where she's tapping the plate. Yeah, and Matt's dad is kind of freaking out about it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was also kind of like, oh my gosh stop (laughs) absolutely yeah for sure and then yeah all all the while he's balancing being qb1 and his academics and dating the coach's daughter (laughs) Um, which even just being in a relationship in general in that situation is tough but to be dating the coach's daughter is adds a whole nother layer on top of it so he's been dealt a real crap hand in the first place and He's balancing it masterfully, but we really only get a, a picture of of all those things that play at once in this episode for the first time. Yep, yeah, it, things kind of hit hard for for Matt in this episode. But so Matt's friend, we actually so we've really only seen Landry connected to Matt prior to this. Now we get Landry out on his own and connected with none other than our guy. Tim Riggs. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, safe to say we love this bromance. We absolutely love this bromance. I yeah. yes, I'm a huge fan of every scene that I saw them in together, and I'm excited to watch those deleted scenes that you described because <laughs> they also sound incredible. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, we we get a lot of Landry finally. Yes, so long overdue, yeah. and and we will get. More than we want of him in the next season, but we won't (laughs) dive into that yet. Yeah. And a little bit less serious uh, side of Riggins. I feel like we're always seeing how Riggins, like how Riggins 
upbringing sucks and how his life sucks and his home life sucks and all this. But now we just kind of see Riggins like screwing off in school yeah. and stuff. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, we get, like I said, some some really great lines about Riggins and his tendency to slack off and how much he loves it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which yep. is great. Yeah, he's totally fine with <laughs> putting forth zero effort, negative yes. effort, really. So, any other characters to touch on? I think those are really the standouts of the the episode um, and really the, the focal point of the episode. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's move right into Coach Taylor. Then um, how how ins- inspirational did you find Coach this episode? Not very. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit when he confronts Riggins about the no pass, no play and how serious he is about it. Yeah. I'll give him one point for that. I I would put him just a a flat one. Okay. Um, I also had, I gave him credit for backing Tammy on the, the Riggins academic situation for sure. I also gave him a little credit for um, helping Matt out with his dad, you know, being willing to have that backyard conversation. Even if it was weird, I felt like that he, kind of chewed Matt out for saying that he hated his dad. Right. Uh, I gave him a two. So yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him a two for this episode. Likewise, Julie didn't have a ton going on. Yeah. There wasn't much Julie at all. I would put her for sure in the negatives for kind of, you kind of relate to her or I don't know. You kind of feel for her witnessing Matt kind of get into it with his, his dad. Yeah. So, I would give her maybe like a negative one. Okay. I gave her a positive one because of how she reacted to Matt at the Panther dinner, you know, cause Matt was a little short with her and then she was like, Oh wow. Right, okay. Right. So do we just leave her at a straight zero again? I think that's a good, good decision. Okay. The big rig beer tally, unfortunately Still zero, zero, we are, boy, one, we're at least four, maybe like five, six, or even seven episodes straight with no beers from Tim. Really? That's crazy. Well, No, because we got close. It must be four because yeah. I have a couple gaps here in where I didn't record, okay. but I we were close to a case, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I believe we hit either 24 or 25 by, yeah. by episode five. Okay. Buddy Garrity's Sleazeball Movie of the Week. Was Buddy in this episode? I don't think Buddy made an appearance. He must have been on screen briefly, maybe, but he did not have a whole lot to do. So, um, not available only because he wasn't around. I'm sure he would have come up with something scummy to do. (laughs) Buddy, you're off the hook for this week, Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) we're still on to you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You were doing something off screen that was sleazy as hell. Absolutely. Uh, Notable music cues. We had the, the Tom Petty. Right. Yep, the Tom Petty. Um, there was a spoon song that played mm-hmm. um, during the Street and Lila hookup scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I turned my camera on. Um, I like that song. Ooh, a lot. I turned my camera on. That yeah. in combination with what was going on. That's right. Awkward. And then of course the Crucifictoria song. Yes. Enter but, the Horseman is what I saw yes. it as. So, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, very good. Okay, for the outdated pop culture reference of the week, I actually had two before the opening credits even started. 
I did not write any down and I'm probably going to be embarrassed and disappointed in myself for not, uh, when you say it, what okay. the were. Number one, record stores full of CDs. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. There are record stores, but they're mostly focused on vinyl. Right. Right. Like, I don't think many people are out there trying to buy CD versions of their favorite albums. It's either you get it on Apple Music or Spotify or you buy it on vinyl. There's no in between. Yep. That's all I do anymore. And that's, I was a CD guy for a long time. I still buy maybe two or three CDs a year. Yeah. Um, by artists that I have like the rest of their discography on CD and I'm a complete. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you want like the, the, like the liner notes or whatever. Yep. You want the whole package, but yep. um, so that and then Clay Aiken. <laughs> yes. Oh, duh. So, yeah. Clay Aiken was very big in the early two thousands, but haven't heard much from him in a while other than that failed, uh, us Congress run. <laughs> yeah. That he had, apparently. <laughs> Uh, and his run in spam a lot, which was also around that time. But, um, so those are my two outdated pop culture references. Uh, really? No. I mean, we're, we're talking about instituting the goofus maloofus moment of the week. I didn't really have anything for Matt. No, this was a very serious episode. For yeah. Matt yeah. So. He didn't, he didn't have any aw shucks moments. It was mostly, I hate my dad moments. Yeah. Which is not very goofus maloofus, you know. Yeah, maybe the most goofus maloofus ep- uh, moment of the episode was him like going out to hug his dad. <laughs> he was very excited. Yeah, he was yeah. over the moon for that for sure. Okay, uh, I think let's go to quote of the episode then. Um, yes. There's, I've got quite a, a bevy of choices to choose from. Okay, I only have two and one we've already talked about. So why don't you start? Well, I will start with, because I've got, three written down so maybe a bevy was an over exaggeration <laughs> yeah my first one chronologically is going to be my choice for quarter of the week so i'll, I'll wait till yeah i was gonna say save it because that's that's mine too yeah so the first nomination is going to be landry uh where he's talking to riggins and um, he's like, here, of Mice and Men, this is a book. And he's like, uh, Riggins kind of hands it back to him. And Landry says, oh, yeah. oh my God, you can't read, can you? Is that it? You're just one of those kids that fell through the cracks. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty harsh, but, yeah. but good. My first nomination is also from Landry. I already read it, but it's the Crucifictorious lyrics. Uh, and it, that's a lot with the delivery, obviously. But yes. very nice. Yes. Um, next one is of mine is also from Landry. Landry was full of oh, wow. this week. Yeah. yeah. And it's during the scene when they're in the stands and he finished the book. And Landry <laughs> really thought he got through to Riggins. And he's kind of going on and on about like, really, there's nothing you can relate to with this. Like, it's about two friends, two best friends who had a dream and then the dream got crushed and all this stuff. And Tim's Tim's like, no, I can't really relate. He goes, really, there's nothing you can relate to. Here's an example of how I can relate to this. I would really, (laughs) really like to shoot you right now. (laughs) Dang, Landry is... Going hard after yeah. Tim. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I assume that our our last one is the same. 
I'm pretty sure. Why don't you, why don't you just go ahead and lay it on us? So it's during the scene where street is asking Herc how he had sex as a quadriplegic. And, you know, Herc says, who's the lucky girl and all this stuff. And street eventually says that it's Lila to which Herc replies, of course your ding dong went soft. It was trying to protect you. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. Yeah, of course you ding dong. <laughs> Thanks, Herc. We can always rely on Herc to just yeah, lay it out there. Really, uh, not pussyfoot around. No. Uh, let's let's award the the second ever MVP of the episode. I think just from our <laughs> our quotes, uh, our nominations for quotes, he didn't win, but he had an abundance of golden lines. I think we got to go with Landry on this. Am, Landry, am I right? Landry is absolutely my pick for yep. MVP of the episode. Yep. Landry Clark, congratulations. You are episode 11's MVP of the episode. Um, and that just leaves us with, with rating the episode this week. I already said in last episode that I felt very good about this episode. I thought it was solid. I, I do. I'm, I'm going to go with a strong eight. Yep. Strong eight. Absolutely. I laughed out loud multiple times. Um, Saracen's storyline was hard, but it was good. It was really deep. So um, strong eight on this one. Great episode. Maybe my favorite episode so far. Definitely top three. But I'll I'll agree with the top three for sure. Yep. So we are humming now. I feel like things are yeah uh, i said it i said it a couple couple weeks ago but man it's hard to not just uh hit the next episode button on the old dvd player it really is it yeah. really is yeah, yeah i could i could keep it rolling uh <clears throat> one of our friends who named the show jimmy uh i, I saw <laughs> jimmy myers i saw he having never seen the show before is already through season 4 oh wow so Jimmy in like a week's time has just <laughs> absolutely crushed the show. Yeah. That's what happens when you're when you're stuck in quarantine with nothing yeah. to do. Um mm-hmm. so shout out to Jimmy. Way to go, man. Glad you're loving the show. Thanks to everyone else for listening along with us. Yeah, we're we're pumped to have you with us. Hope you're enjoying Friday Night Lights. Let uh let somebody else know about the podcast if you yeah. would. Um yeah, we're we're gonna do it no matter what, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. If we have zero people in the audience, I don't care because this is literally like this is the highlight of my week is recording these episodes. So yeah, somebody yeah. maybe will find it someday. Maybe Zach Guilford will be searching his name and <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, and, uh, Zach Guilford's not up to a lot, so yeah. he might. We'd love be. to have you on the show, Zach. Please, yeah, we'd love to have you. Uh, honestly if i had to if i had to name an mvp of the of friday night lights so far through episode 11 it's matt saracen absolutely it's matt saracen so um zach guilford come on we will ask you lots of questions about taylor swift um, Mm -hmm. because we definitely we definitely need some information about that yes yes we do but I think that's all we have for episode 11. So, yes. Anthony, it's been a we pleasure, sir. halfway through season one. We are. Yeah. Point. Yep, yep. There are two and a half discs left in my DVD set. So, we are halfway through. So, all right. That's all we got. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 
Let's touch God this time, boys. Let's touch God.